0: Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. It's in your bulletins, and it's also on page 1209 in the Pew Bibles. But first, by request, I'm going to say a short prayer first, and then continue right on into the reading. Dear God, I ask that you prepare our hearts to hear your words and obey your will guide us by your word and through your spirit to see the wisdom of your truth and grant us freedom from anything that might stand between yourself and us as we discover a peace that can only be found through you and your son jesus christ amen dear friends let us love one another for love comes from god but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Russ. This morning is, is in some ways, um, I don't want to say it's totally typical, it's, it's been a special morning, but it's reflective of something that's going on among our church family over the past year. And I don't know exactly what it is, but this has just been a really, a really sweet year for our church family there's a, renewed, there's a renewed spirit, there's a new energy, and a lot of you have remarked to me that you've, you've felt it. Uh, just last week, Dale Edwards, our region executive minister, preached. Uh, his wife, Lori, travels with him a lot, and she and I were chatting after the service, and she said, you know, there's just, the spirit here is just so different. Like, what, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. Uh, I have no, I, we're not really doing anything different than we were doing, I'm, I think that God's just been really, really good to us. Over the past year, he's been good to us. Before that, but but in this season, you know, sometimes you have uh, seasons of harvesting, and sometimes you have seasons of just tilling the soil. Uh, We're enjoying it; almost feels like a season of harvest as a church family. It's right to thank him and to praise him for that. Uh, One of the ways that we're seeing that is just the the addition of a number of new members. With James and Kristen, we're up to seven new members this year. That doesn't sound like a whole lot. Uh, but when you consider we're a church of, I mean, what do you think there are? Maybe 50 people here today? If that, like you do the math, that's a significant proportion. And uh, and there are more, we believe, uh, kind of in the pipeline. There's just a significant season that that I don't want to miss. I've described it before to people as it feels like almost a pregnant season. And now it feels like, oh, we're starting to don't take this metaphor too far, but like we're starting to have a baby. There's new life. There's new excitement going on. Now with a lot of our church members uh, and our new members, we've been covering very intentionally and carefully what does it mean to even be a member of a church? And the deacons, of course, have been thinking about this as they've been interviewing our new members. And when we receive new members, you know, we say the covenant, we think a little bit about it, but it has struck me that if this is a season that the Lord has given us, let's not miss it Let's, in fact, take advantage of it and let's spend some time really carefully asking ourselves. For a lot of us, this is a reaffirmation. This won't be new. This is kind of a reminder. So let's spend a season reminding ourselves what is it that God calls us to be in one another's lives? What does it mean to belong to a church? And I'm going to emphasize this every single week for the next two months as we're in this series that the church is people, period. It's relationships. And because the church is people and relationships, then maybe one of the best ways we can think about what it means to belong to a church is to look at how the Bible tells us to be in relationship with one another. That phrase, one another, one another, is instructive actually a, a little over 3 dozen times in the New Testament we see that phrase one another in the form of uh, some sort of teaching or instruction or command we see in the New Testament uh, scripture Jesus the authors of the New Testament say love one another did you did you catch that in Russ's reading it was like five times bear one another's burdens encourage each other admonish one another there are all sorts of one anothers. Those are just a few examples. So, for the next couple weeks—the next more than a couple—the next about two months—we're uh, going to spend some time looking at the one anothers of the New Testament, and we're going to look at those through the lens of our church covenant, which we just read. Uh, our covenant is a rich, robust affirmation of our commitments to one another. We've used it as a tool in this church family since 1840. It goes way back. And at its core, it is thoroughly biblical, and it's essentially it's a way of distilling all of the one another's into a more compact form. So that's where we're headed for the next two months. Now, if we're going to ask what does it mean to belong to a church, before that we have to ask, well, what is a church? And that's what we're really going to explore, kind of this week, kind of next week, kind of for the whole series. This morning. We're going to deconstruct a couple of misconceptions about what the church is, and then we'll start rebuilding next week and the weeks after that. What is the church? Primarily, the church is people. Not just any people, but it's a group of people who are committed to God and to one another in love. Committed to one another. That's what we see in the reading this morning. Beloved. James, or not James, John says, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I'm not cherry-picking, by the way. Jesus says almost the exact same thing in John 13. You know what Jesus says in John 13? He says, by this, they will know that you are my disciples. Do you want to know how Jesus identifies his disciples? By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Now, in some sense, this whole series is going to be us exploring what does it look like to love one another? But we can ask in summary, what does it mean to belong to a church? It means fundamentally that we're committed to God in love for him, and we're committed to one another in love for one another. In fact we show our commitment to god primarily the scriptures teach us through our love for one another just let that sink in the way that scripture teaches us the primary way that scripture teaches us to love god to show our love for god is to love one another That's going to take a couple of months to unpack, and we're not even going to get to unpack the full meaning of that. But that's a significant and deep understanding of what the church is and is meant to be. And it stands in opposition to three main misconceptions about what the church is. Now, we're going we're gonna to s- not quite skim over them, but we're not going to go deeply into these. Largely because I think we know this. A lot of what I'm saying this morning, I think most of us, maybe all of us in here know, but it's easy to forget, and sometimes we just kind of get sloppy with our language, and you might think, ah, does it really matter what we say? Well, language is how we understand things, and the more you say something, the more you start to believe it. So we're going we're to take a little time, and just carefully define what isn't the church, Then we'll touch on what is the church, which is what? It's a community of people committed to God and one another in love. And then we're going to get to spend the next couple of months really fleshing that out. Three misconceptions about what the church isn't. And Again, we know these. These aren't anything new. The church is not a building. The church is not an organization. And church is not an event. The Sunday morning event not a building it's not an organization it's not an event so let's let's look at each of those um, the first the, there's a common misconception when you when you say if, if you travel if you ever traveled to europe and you get back and what do people ask you if you went through especially western europe with all the cathedrals did you see any churches what are they asking did you see any church buildings see very commonly we just use the word church as a stand-in for a church building Again, I think we know that that's not the case, but the way we use language can affect us, and so we probably ought to be careful with that. A church building, this building, is a tool for ministry. It's a tool. Now, a good carpenter, ask any good carpenter, they'll tell you it pays to invest in good tools, right? It pays to have a sharp saw, it pays to have a tape measure that's accurate and that's durable. It pays to have a screwdriver that won't break when you try to tighten a screw. A good carpenter knows it pays to invest in good tools. But a good carpenter knows a couple of other things. One, they know that even bad carpenters can buy nice tools. Having good tools alone does not make you a carpenter. In fact, it's possible to collect a beautiful array of wonderful tools and never use them. Does that make you a carpenter? probably makes you more of a collector, a hoarder maybe, I don't know. (laughs) This, This building is a tool that God intends for us to use as we participate in his mission of building his kingdom. He wants us to use it. That's why we try to use it. That's why we serve a lunch to anybody who wants one every single Wednesday. It's why we hosted a vaccine clinic here last week. It's why we invite the city to participate and do different city events in here. That's... That's why we, and in fact, again, because a good carpenter knows it pays to invest and care for your tools, that's why we invest and care for this building. It's important to care for our building. But a good carpenter also knows that the point of being a carpenter is not to just have a nice shiny tool. A good carpenter understands that their nice shiny tools are actually going to get dents and dings and they're going to have to replace the saw blades every now and then. Because the tools serve something greater. Um, five or six years ago, maybe, I remember sitting in the parlor with uh, Ramsey. Some of you remember Ramsey Michaels, one of our members. He was a deacon at the time. He died a couple years ago. And he had this very insightful comment. He, just as he was praying, and he prayed, and he said, God, thank you for this building and he was praying that God would help us to, to learn how to use the building. And in his prayer, he said, you know, it's kind of like a mixed blessing. It's kind of like a mixed blessing. It is a blessing, but it is also possible for it to, to urge us to lose sight of the mission to which we're called. Let me put it differently in very stark terms. If, if our church, God forbid, if our church were to burn down tomorrow, if this building were to burn down tomorrow, we would be no less a church tomorrow than we are today. That alone proves that the church is more than a building. We'd be homeless, but think about a family, a a nuclear family, mom, dad, kids. What if they lose their house and are homeless? Does that make them any less a family? No, of course not. They're still a family. They just don't have a roof. Family is more than just a group of people who share a same roof over their heads. Church is more than. Again, we're not saying the building matters. In fact, all of these misconceptions come from good things. Church buildings, this building, are good gifts, but they are not the church. They're not primary. Second misconception is that the church is an organization. It's an organization. And, and kind of flowing from this is the belief that belonging to a church means running a tight ship. We're going to be efficient. We're going to be well organized. We're going to get things done. We're going to be productive. We're going to have something to show for our time. More and more productivity is a cultural value, it seems. Like how many articles do you see on how to structure your time, how to be more productive, how to optimize for this or that or the other? Now let's be clear. Like organization matters, to a point. We we show love by organizing. So if you want to show a, a dear friend that you love them and their birthday's coming up, you might organize a party, a surprise party for them. You cannot throw a good surprise party without organizing. If you try not to organize it, what's gonna happen? People are gonna come early, people are gonna come late, you're gonna ruin the surprise because that one guy parked here instead of the street over. Five people are going to bring bean dip, and one bean dip is plenty for a good party, right? Like, you, you have to organize in order for it to be a good party. And if you don't and the party goes poorly, the person won't feel well-loved. One of the ways we show, organi- we show love is by organizing. Organization matters to a point. But organization is not the point, Running a tight ship is not the point of a church because we're a family. We're a family, not just an organization or a business to be run. People matter more than productivity. A couple years ago in the fall, uh, probably a year and a half, two and a half years ago, must have been two and a half, we were driving to the Freiburg Fair. Joanna hadn't been born yet, just Jamie, Elliot, and me. And uh, we were in Freedom, New Hampshire. You know, Freedom, New Hampshire is just south of Conway. And um, it's a lot of ups and downs and windy road and Elliot got car sick. Now, the Freiburg Fair, is it's, a long, it's like, what is it, a good probably two hours away. And we have to drive there and then enjoy the fair and drive back. And I'm, I'm in productivity mode. We need to get there and we need to see everything and we need to make the best use of our time because we're giving a lot of time today and money to just getting there. So I could have been very, thank God I didn't, I could have thought, well, she's car sick, she just threw up all over herself in the back seat and thrown a towel back and said, wipe yourself up as best as you can, we're going to the fair, <laughs> right? Productivity would have diminished, right? Because that's going to take time and effort and we're, gonna, we're not going to be able to see the horse pull or whatever. No, of course, we pulled over and it probably probably took us a good 30, 45 minutes to get her out, wipe her down and change her and take the car seat out and wipe that down as best as we could and clean that, right? People matter more than productivity. We know this. It's a silly example, but it's helpful to remember. In fact, I would venture, venture that even you and your family have certain like organizational structures, right? Maybe you have dinner together every night. That's what you do. Maybe you have a family budget, and you sit down with your husband or your wife or whoever, and you, you, you actually have to talk about the budget every so often. Maybe you have a chore list, and Saturday morning you all do your family chore, whatever it is. right? See, you do these organizational things that matter and that are important, but you would never think that those things take the place of loving one another. You would never say, well, we have a chore list, a budget, and we eat dinner together, therefore we're a family, no, family goes much, much deeper than that. There must be something more. If all we were were an organization, we would be a semi-charitable organization, nonprofit, it would be like a rotary, another club. Nothing against the rotary, but the world like we have a rotary. We don't need another rotary. The world needs the church, the family of God who love him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength and who love their neighbors as themselves. The church is not a building. It's not an organization. It is more than both. And lastly, the church, church, not the church, but church is not an event. We say, I'm going to church. You say that this morning? I'm going to church. We're going to church, which means I'm what? I'm going to that building Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to go to the worship service. Let me ask you, do you meet with your family once a week and then don't see them the rest of the week? No, you spend your lives together. Now, again, we have to be careful. All of these are good things. In fact, the, the Sunday morning event, is, I would say, is indispensable in the life of the church. If you don't have a regular gathering of believers, you don't have the church. And we're going to talk a lot more about this one in particular in about a month. And yet, the church is more than just coming for an hour on Sunday, If COVID taught us one thing, it's that it matters to be together, but it's also that just being together one hour a week isn't enough. This gathering is essential, but it's not primary. In other words, the the very simple way of putting it is just going to church does not mean somebody belongs to a church, belongs to the church family, doesn't even make somebody a Christian. What was it to Dale? I think Dale said it last year. uh, The fact that you're in church on a Sunday morning doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you an automobile. (laughs) There's something much deeper. Family is about more than just we do our duty and we get together once a week when we're supposed to. No, it's about we're committed to each other. We love one another no matter what. The church is, we're more than a building, we're more than an organization, we're more than an event. We are, as John writes, a group of people committed to God and to one another in love. Beloved, let us love one another. Not just let us go to the same building, not just let us get together and have a tight organization, not just let us go sing some songs and listen to a TED Talk once a week. No, let us love one another. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Each of these things matters. We're not saying they're unimportant, but we are more than those. How do we know? How do we know that loving one another is the core identity of the church? John tells us, because love is from God. God. And see how God has loved us. Did you notice that in the reading, verse 10? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. But that He loved us. Think for just a moment. How did God love us? How did God love you? At your worst, at your least patient, at your least pretty at your least loving, when we were completely unlovable. In Romans, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he doesn't wait for us to clean up our act in order to come and give us new life. God didn't wait for you to get it together before he chose to love you. He chose to love you just as you are and give himself fully for you just as you are, the commitment we make as a church family is the same, that just as we are, we love each other, we commit to one another, we give of ourselves for one another, because this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Let's pray. Lord, teach us what it means to love each other, Teach us what it means first that you have loved us because you have showed us perfectly what love is. You are love. So fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with yourself so that together we might love you and glorify you in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.